0: Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
1: So welcome again. It's great to see everyone. And, um, We'll have some announcements at the end of the sit, So try to stay toward for the end. We will be doing the breakout rooms. And if you don't want to um, go into a breakout room today, you can sit quietly in the main room, but try and um, stay till the end if you can. So um, today I wanted to talk about, the practice of deep listening with um, in mindfulness practice. And uh, I've got the sun blazing in my eyes. And uh, I'm going to talk anyway with the sun blazing in my eyes. You just never know, huh? So the world has not changed much since the last time we've met. There's still a political division, a pandemic, lots of strife. Racism is alive and well, we can see unfolding before us. And as a human being, I can only do my small part. There is not much that I can do um, that I would like to. There's an old saying, there was a play in Broadway when I was a kid, it was my arms are too short to box with God. I can't take away the pandemic or give people perfect health and food in their belly and safety, even as much as I wish. But what I can do is offer my deep listening, my presence, my care, my compassion, my heart. And in that list, what I find most difficult, because we are a hurried society, a rushed society running from one thing to another, one of the most difficult things is to listen deeply when others are sharing and speaking, to bring my full attention, like a mindfulness practice, like awareness to the breath and the body, that full attention to uh, listen to the other person without my mind chattering or having an agenda or wanting something or wanting to say something very quickly. You know, it seems like it would be easy, but it isn't that easy if you've noticed. So I wanted to um, explore that with you today and practice in the breakout rooms. Um, and um, <clears throat> I also wanted to have Don share a bit uh, from his new year intention about why speech, because speech goes with listening. Um, and we'll see how far we can get. So he'll share a bit at the end of of my sharing and then we'll go into the breakout room so one of the things that we've talked about before is when we bring awareness mindfulness and the heart practice uh to mindful communication to our relationship there's really a richness of presence, a field of love. It's quite nurturing and sustaining. I like to call it, it's the chocolate of practice in some ways. You can really feel this nurturance between self and other. And um, Mark Nepo um, wrote about, let's see if I can find, find it here, but I think I can. He said, it's interesting that the Japanese ideogram for the heart of listening is comprised of three figures entangled with each other, the ear, the eye, and the heart. It suggests that engaging all three at once is what accesses wholeheartedness. It implies that a complete effort to hold and release suffering is what allows the heart to hear what life has to say. So a lot of mindful listening, deep listening is bringing the eye, the ear and the heart in the matter. And this is from John Wellwood. I really love um, this quote. He says, Hard to read with the sun blazing. And uh, bringing love, love, compassion, and kindness into the human form involves learning to hold the impossibility of ourselves and others in the way that the sky holds clouds with gentle spaciousness and equanimity. The sky can do this because its openness is so much vaster than the clouds that it doesn't find them at least bit threatening, holding our imperfections in this way, allows us to see them as trail markers of the work in progress that we are, rather than impediments to love or happiness, then we can say, yes, everyone has relative weakness, weaknesses that cause suffering, yet everyone also possesses absolute beauty. Which far surpasses these limitations. Let us melt down the frozen, fearful place by holding them in the warmth of tenderness and mercy. So, we have an opportunity with um, deep listening, presence, mindful listening to hold others in warmth and kindness so that they can um sense and feel their own beautiful um essential qualities of the radiance that they are and uh that famous poem by galway canal the bud stands for all things even for those things that don't flower for everything flowers from within of self-blessing Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely, until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. So our deep listening, our presence, our stillness when we listen, helps to reteach others, their loveliness um, and retell it that it's lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. Just that non-judgmental interest provides that nurturance. And I know that you've experienced that from people um, in your life, that you know what I mean. You can bring to mind that person who did that for you, right? <clears throat> I can. So, um, so what are the elements that we're bringing of this gift of presence in deep listening? One is that we're making an effort, we're noticing that we're dropping the mental noise and we're, being, we're, we're becoming more receptive to receive the moment. Um, and we're just brought where it's in energy and being um, curious, wanting to listen. So the listening is kind, it's appreciative, and it's patient. And hard for me, the most is unhurried by a personal agenda. And we drop into this tranquility, this equanimity. We're not preparing our response to that person, as hard as that is. We're not preparing that response. So, in a way, we're practicing this silent witness, this kind of no self. I don't have to be a self. It's silent, it's non judgmental, and grounded. And the witness sustains the awareness of an unconditional field of love. Try this with your loved ones. It's not so easy. I I wrote this uh, yesterday, and then uh, my adult son came over, and I was so glad that I wrote and read it before he came. It really <laughs> it just really helped. I could see this um, this imaging that I do, the brain stuff that's like parent son, right? agenda, what I want for him, what I need him to do for me to be happy. You know, it's just automatic, comes right up and it's normal. This is just normal stuff. But does it help? You know, does he he need to come and visit in our yard with masks on and to hear my agenda? No, he wants to be heard who he is. He wants to share who he is from his soul, from his belly, what's going on in his life. He doesn't need my judgment. And when I can do that, um, the connection is so much deeper and so much more nurturing and sweet. We're nurtured by that field of love, of that non-judgmental quality, that openness. Doesn't mean that we can't be assertive and set limits when we have to obviously, when we have to speak up and set a limit or speak our truth or say something difficult, we can, but we can also pause to listen deeply. So in this silent witness of just being there, we don't have to be for or against. We don't have to have advice, we don't have to know better, we don't have to tell a story. We just have to hang, we just have to be there. We just have to be a presence. And one of the things I've learned to use is metta, loving kindness, to not really have a self or an agenda. If I'm saying the words of metta as I'm listening softly, Or I'm just saying peace, love, kindness, or or I'm radiating that metta from my heart and my body. My mind doesn't chatter so much, and I'm not, you know, a person windy, being windy. I'm just a field of love. I'm just there. And it's perceivable. So bringing this loving kindness into our human form this is from John Wellman and repeating it again, involves learning to hold others the way the sky holds clouds, a gentle spaciousness with equanimity. Now, um, the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the, Sutta that the Buddha gave on the four foundations of mindfulness has this refrain, <clears throat> and um, when I was in the dedicated practitioner program up at Spirit Rock they kept talking about this refrain, you know, and I think I've told you all before, I felt like, why do they keep coming back to this refrain? It's kind of, what, what's the, you know, why is this important? I wasn't grasping, believe me, I wasn't. And um, Don will put it in the chat so you can see it. Um, but the refrain is mentioned 13 times in that sutta. So obviously it has some importance and it goes like this and and I've abbreviated it we abide contemplating our experience internally, we abide contemplating our experience externally, and we abide contemplating our experience both internally and externally. And and he'll add that into the chat. So um, you can read that, and even you know, go back to that in your breakout room. But what it, this is really such an amazing um, instruction from the Buddha about the nature of relationship as well. That we we need to cultivate this awareness internally about what is going on with us and what's happening inside to be skillful. We need to know when we're triggered, when our emotions are aroused, when there's a memory that's arising um, or a hot button that got pressed or a sense of security that got trampled on, right? Or that we we misunderstood. We need to have that reflective quality. It really helps the field of relationship and maturity, to be internally aware. And mindfulness helps us see these mental states, these emotions, the opinions that we have, the unconscious biases that we have in relationship, the, the, the seat of racism, right? Is an unconscious bias that from the culture um, that's damaging. So we, we shine that light inside to know. And the deeper we know, the more of a chance we have uh, to be skillful in our relationships and not reactive, um, not automatic, not impulsive, because we have that awareness going on. It, I really love those moments when I'm engaged with someone in conversation and there's enough internal awareness to feel an emotion arising or a hot button, a hot place, or something got triggered. Um, or I'm off on a train with my own ideas, leaving the relationship, running off in my own mental constructs. I can't wait to just tell you blah, 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 you know, right? Uh, I'm just like running from the relationship into my mind, chattering. When there's awareness there, there's that opportunity to come back and ground and listen deeply again. So internal light, right? The internal awareness we can cultivate um, through deep listening internally. And then um, externally too, is that we're aware of the other. We're aware of our impact on the other, and we're aware of what the other is bringing, and we're aware of what's happening around us. Maybe the Buddha was saying we don't medica- meditate just in a cave necessarily. Maybe there is an external awareness of what is happening in our community and in our society and, and, um, and um, wanting to do something about it. I know in monastery life, there's a big emphasis on how um, when you're living in the monastery, you you wake up almost apologizing for if you've said something to harm another. There's a real emphasis on wise speech and kindness. The relational field is important. It's not just meditating, you know, it's also awareness of the relational field. So the Buddha really invites us to explore the relationship between what's going inside me and what's happening outside of me. So um, as we are working our path or exploring in our path to alleviate suffering and the causes of suffering, the roots of suffering, it can be personal and collective and what we do and say to each other is the beginning of the collective. So I'll read one more, um, one more short reading, and then I'll um, turn it over to John. Watching the time, okay. This is called The Boy and the Drum. There is an old Hindu story. In it, there is a boy who wants a drum, but his mother can't afford a drum. And so sadly, she gives him a stick. Though he doesn't know what to do with it, he shuffles home and begins to play with the stick. Just then, he encounters an old woman trying to light her fire, her chula, her wood stove. The boy freely gives her the stick. She lights her fire, makes some bread, and in return, she gives him half a loaf. Walking on, the boy comes upon a potter's wife whose child is crying from hunger. The boy freely gives her the bread. In gratitude, she gives him a pot. Though he doesn't know what to do with it, he carries it along the river, where he sees a washerman and his wife quarreling because the wife broke their one pot. The boy gives them the pot, and in return, they give him a coat. Since the boy isn't cold, he carries the coat until he comes to a bridge where a man is shivering. Riding uh, to town um, on a horse, the man was attacked and robbed of everything but his horse. The boy freely gives him the coat. Humbled, the man gives him the horse. Not knowing how to ride, the boy walks the horse into town where he meets a wedding party with musicians. The bridegroom and his family are all sitting under a tree with long faces. According to custom, the bridegroom is to enter the procession on a horse, which hasn't shown up. The boy freely gives him the horse. Relieved, the bridegroom asks what he can do for the boy. Seeing the drummer surrounded by all his drums, the boy asks for the smallest drum, which the musician gladly gives him. So, the story is a sweet story that I just love to read, but it's also a metaphor of um, relationally what we freely give. When we freely give our heart, our deep listening, our care, our love, There's a giving and receiving where our needs are very likely met, where we come to the center and meet each other. And that generosity unfolds and gives back. So when I'm I'm talking quickly is to get Dawn in there, but when you're in your breakout room today, practice the witness, practice metta, practice being there as your partner speaks and we'll give you a little more instruction. Um, Practice that deep listening, which I know you already do, but uh, this will be our practice for for this this morning, this uh, deep listening. So I'm gonna turn this over to Don and then we'll give some instruction, Don in the breakout room, yeah? John? Yeah.
2: Okay. Sorry, my computer was non-responsive there for a minute. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> of course, everything's gone crazy. All right. So, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, so, I definitely don't want to lose or interrupt that thread of, concentrating on deep listening. So I'm going to try to tie this in as much as I possibly can. And um, at the beginning of the year, I did some intention setting and um, kind of with with the thought that could I create something that I could I read that I could revisit every day. Um, and just knowing realistically that some days I'm going to have a little bit of time, some days I'm going to have more time. I thought, let me write something that could be like so concise on the days that um, I don't have time and something that's a little longer on other days. Um, And so I used my uh, haiku writing skills and I got the short version down to one word. and i wanted to share it with you because what came out of it was um what i thought was a very helpful template for some intention writing and um yeah so hopefully you might find it helpful too and um If it piques your interest, um, I am leading the Montecito Saturday sit on the 23rd and I thought we could explore it further if if we wanted to so. uh, Maybe a little feedback afterwards would help if people are interested in that. Um, So I begin with uh, the first line. Which is my intention today in a word is lovingly. So for me, the word lovingly, it's an adverb. It's the how, not the what. So that if I can't remember what to do in a given moment, like what is the wise action, maybe, just maybe I can access the one word lovingly and let the how guide the what so um and i i think that can kind of tie if that word resonates for you that can kind of tie in with what wendy was saying where when you're deep listening to somebody and you're sending metta or if the word lovingly works for you you could just remind yourself lovingly 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 um and if that word doesn't work, then I could imagine, you know, another word like gently or compassionately or uh, something that might resonate for for, for somebody else. Um, so um, then I wrote, that's like the short version, if that's all I have time for. And I can certainly remember one word. Um, I wrote another paragraph, which kind of expounds on that. It's a little aspirational. Um So I end up with a medium kind of version of my intention. And then I I wrote a longer version and I came up with kind of a template for what I really wanted to do this year was when I find myself in a familiar place, some sort of pattern or, for instance, overwhelm. Or today we're talking about the theme of when I, when I find myself wanting to speak more than I want to listen. Then I wrote myself out a list of intentions for those familiar places, just to give myself a reminder of when I recognize that I want to speak more than I want to listen. I will lovingly. And I, I always invoke that word lovingly over and over again. Um, the how. Um, so, uh, I kind of wrote some on the fly this morning as Wendy was talking. Like, how could we use this for why speech and deep listening? Um, I had written one before because I've been bumping up against a lot of defensiveness. Like, as soon as somebody triggers me, I'm sensing like a self-righteousness in them, or a, and that that triggers me. I get defensive. And so my mind starts mounting a defense. And it's almost like I'm feeling from them that they want to be right. And then in response, I'm like, well, I want to be right. So (laughs) uh, one that I wrote earlier in the year was when I recognize that I know that I am right. I will lovingly calm the tension in my body and ask myself. Are you sure? And so uh, I have a lot more to share, but I'll save that for the 23rd. But I did write a few this morning, just as Wendy was speaking. So for instance, when I recognize that I want to speak more than I want to listen, I will lovingly remind myself that deep listening without agenda is the most precious gift I can offer. Or when I recognize that I have the urge to speak more than I want to listen, I will lovingly remind myself that I can hold self and others like the sky holds the clouds. And then tying in with another one of Wendy's uh, points was, when I recognize that I have caused harm, I will lovingly ask myself, how can I begin to heal this? So there is a little bit more to the, the, the form and the structure that I came up with. And if that interests you, um, I'd love to see you on the 23rd, Saturday morning, sit and we can explore it together. Um, And then the only thing I would add was um, I found myself as I'm, as I'm using, and my, my list is very long. I find myself in a lot of, uh, familiar places. And, uh, but what I caught myself doing was, um, having an expectation that these are supposed to work. (laughs) Like I could just invoke one of these and all of a sudden I soften. And what I've learned is it doesn't work like that. Um, That these are intentions, they're not expectations. And so um, when we talk on the 23rd, I can give you an example of how I kind of softened around that and even in the writing of the intention said, hey, you know, these are only intentions. If you can't realize these, I can lovingly trust that my habits are gonna take good care of me. (laughs) And ask myself, can you do a little less harm this time? (laughs) Something like that. Um, So uh, that's what I have to share. And um, hopefully that tied in well with Wendy's talk this morning.
1: I'm wondering if you could put those in the chat box. Is that doable,
2: Don? Uh, Yes, that's doable.
1: Okay, great. So um, we're going to go into the breakout rooms. And if you don't want to go into a breakout room, what did they do, Don?
2: Just Uh, just don't accept. Uh, accept. I think there's a box that comes up that maybe has a button that says join. And just don't join. Okay.
1: Um, So what I'd like you to do is um, groups of three or four, and um, one person uh, shares at a time, and the others practice mindful listening or deep listening, as we have outlined um, today, and really just see if you could be the witness, you know, really... Watch the mind. Use your meta and be present. Um, we recommend not giving feedback, but you can say at the end when you know everybody shares at the end what this reminds me of, or I really felt something, or you're really um, you can you can point out and say that affected me when you said that. I really felt that, or I can identify with that. You know, not really advice giving necessarily. Um, And your group, you can decide. um, So you're going in for 15 minutes. Does that sound right, Don?
2: Yeah. Uh, Yes.
1: 15. Okay. So you're a group of three or four. You can time each other or um, just speak and listen, practice speaking. The group can decide. You could either time each other for three or four minutes and have some feedback at the end or you can just practice mindful speaking and listening and do a kind of popcorn thing you know whatever your group feels comfortable with but the idea is to practice the listening and to see what that feels like today and how that works for you um and if you're like me uh, my mind will try to chatter <laughs> so I have to be compassionate with myself um, I'm a professional advice giver, you know, many of us are, I think I was born a professional advice giver. I hate to say it. So, so this is work for me, you know, it's, it's humbling sometimes, um, that's okay. Any questions before we go into the room, the breakout rooms? Anthony?
3: So we're supposed to speak on any topic? or anything that's going on in our life?
1: Um, Well, I think um, you, yes, you can do that. You can also talk about um, how this impacted you today or areas that you would like to work on. Um, You could talk about the difference of being with people who really listen well and get you and what that feels like versus people that can't wait to give you advice or you don't feel like they're hearing you, um, or where you would like to improve your communication. Um, another thing that you could do is I put down the, um, the abbreviated form of the sutta about internal versus external, internal and external, and you can contemplate that, what that would look like for you, to, to you. Does that sound good?
3: sounds great
1: okay good okay looks like we're mostly back um we have a couple of minutes would anybody like to share their experience or have a question
3: can okay. may i share wendy yes Um, I just I find that other people had a a similar experience uh, that I did that we were so used to talking at people and telling them what to think, or you should do this, how much energy and discipline it took just to keep our mouths shut and to keep our mind in the conversation as opposed to running away with this and and that other thing. And how many chunks of a conversation I just totally missed because my mind wandered someplace else and it wasn't important it was just silly stuff. Oh, my socks aren't matching. I have laundry, you know, <laughs> um, and so now I'm, I'm dating someone for the first time who does listen and doesn't jump on me. And it's so disarming. Like I'm ready to put my fists up and have, have to defend myself, but I don't have to because, you know, he's actually listening. So it's just um, such a wonderful healing experience and I deserve it. And all of you, all of us deserve it. <clears throat>
1: Thank you. This is Erica. Yes, thank you for your honesty and describing it so well. Um, it's humbling to see in real time some of the struggle, but it's a worthy struggle, and it's a great gift. But it's not easy, and we're all in it together. Uh, none of us have um, have really. <laughs> we all <laughs> we're all struggling yeah. in some way. Anybody else? Uh, thank you, Wendy. Um, well, I was sharing with my group that almost 28 years ago, I um, started um, uh, with a 12 step program called Elanon. And um, in those meetings, there's no crosstalk. So you talk without anybody saying anything to you about what you've talked about. And what that helped me with was actually deeply listening to myself. Um because I realized how often I lied to myself, and I would often leave a meeting thinking, "Oh my gosh, do I just do I believe what I really shared?" And I think for me, that practice of deeply listening to myself had to occur before I could be before I could even begin to to shut up around you know as other people were talking. That's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Great observation. So important. Kate.
0: Good morning. Thanks, Wendy. And thanks, Don. I have kind of this might be a big question. I might struggle to sort of get it out. Um, so Don, one of the long form sort of questions you asked yourself, and I'm reading it out of the chat here. When I recognize that I know that I am right, I will lovingly calm the tension in my body and ask myself, are you sure? And that, I have a, a bit of a response to that and a question, which is one reason why we become defensive when someone tells us that we're wrong is not only that we all have egos that like to be right, but deeper than that, to be, be wrong, to find out that you're wrong about something that's really important like your entire worldview or your understanding of how things work or something big like that is actually psychologically very destabilizing, you know, like people, I think have a, a need to know that they're not wrong about everything, you know, and a healthy doubt about maybe your perspective or an opinion is, is good, but, I think what we're struggling with in our world right now is, you know, people who um, hold completely different worldviews and upon trying to talk to one another can only sort of reach that point of destabilizing someone else's whole worldview. And so defenses go up because it's not a matter of, you know, a bit of a little bit of healthy doubt here and there. There is only sort of needing to be write about a something, because if you're not, you're wrong about everything. And that's just too much destabilization. That's too, that's too unsafe. Uh, so that's kind of my question that I'm poking at. Um, and I just wanted to get Wendy's thoughts.
1: I think you um, are pointing to a huge piece of the practice um, that deserves more time and exploration, and I'm I'm looking at Don, and I'm thinking um, this may be something we both can do another time. You know, follow up. Is Don give me a thumbs up on that? <laughs> I, you know, follow up on that because it is complex about um, when you're paying attention internally and externally. Um, you're also paying attention to your own vulnerability, right? Your own vulnerability and sense of self. And what we need um, is, um, well, we need to be skillful in listening to the other and to communicate skillfully. But we also need an internal sense of compassion and kindness towards the places where we hurt and we're defensive and we have pain, we have trauma, suffering, you know, the places in us that go ouch. We have to attend to that lovingly. I think Karen was pointing to that a bit when in her sharing that um, and and that's why um, we're going to be having more self-compassion practice in our Sangha on Thursday nights <laughs> just for that because that vulnerability, we also have very harsh inner critics and super ego um, there. So, so you're really pointing to how to care for the vulnerable places inside us that need caring for and i think you're also pointing to um sometimes we really do have to be assertive and speak our truth right and honor our truth that our truth and our word should um be honored you know so again more here to to mine um, but these are very good um so you know what it's 11 30 and i have some Quick, fast things to say. Rick, can you say something in a sentence?
2: I shared something with Wendy. I'm asking her to share with everyone. It is a conversation between the Dalai Lama, some climate activists, and a moderator and a um, and Greta Thunberg. And I felt that um, since um, Lars and and Kate and I are all doing this EcoSafa. You probably should, you know. I'm asking everybody to take a look at it and um, see what there is in it for you.
1: It's replayed. Did, did it replay? It's a
2: it's a it's a Facebook um, okay. live. Um, so, thank if you, you. can just share that with the group, I wasn't able to do that. So I think um,
1: I posted it on Facebook, Rick. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe Kate can put it in the newsletter if it's possible. Because um, I yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That just looks so important and marvelous. Thank you so much for mm. bringing that up. So um, we want to hold all beings in our hearts, those who are not well, hospitalized, not well at home, the people who are caring for them. We send them our metta, our loving kindness with our prayer, our hope, our wish for their health and safety. May all beings, Be healthy in body and mind, safe and free from harm. May all beings, including ourselves, be free of suffering and the roots of suffering. May all beings be healthy and well.
0: Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.